Welcome to Stories with Briscoe and Bradshaw. I would be Bradshaw, and that would be the WWE Hall of Famer, Oklahoma's favorite son, Mr. Gerald Briscoe. And when you talk about introductions, if I tell you all the things this man has done, this may take a few hours. This man was a three-time All-American at Florida State, two-time consensus All-American. Bobby Bowden said he was the greatest athlete he ever coached, and Bobby Bowden coached primetime Deion Sanders. His jersey is retired at Florida State. He is in the College Football Hall of Fame, one of, if not the greatest nose tackles to ever play the game. He's in the Orange Bowl Hall of Fame. He's in the WWE Hall of Fame. Part of two of the greatest tag teams of all time, one of the greatest factions of all time that had give birth to a guy you might have heard of named The Rock. He's also very important to the industry and very important to America because he was the one that broke the color barrier in professional wrestling, being recognized as the first ever African-American world heavyweight champion when he beat Vader of 1992 in Baltimore, he is, most importantly, I could live a thousand years and have a, never have a better friend. He's my friend, Ron Simmons. Welcome to the show, Ron. Thank you, buddy. Good to be here, man. Always good to see you. And, hey, I got to say, it's good to see that tower, too. Okay, Jerry. <laughs> All right, Ronnie, I'm gonna jump in there too, man. I, you know, I, you know, what kind of football fan I am, and I, you know, college football fan, and and I, and I, I, I take a lot of pride when you and I can banter back and forth about, you know, I'm an Oklahoma State guy, and we've never achieved the greatness that Florida State has, but I can still rib the heck out of you, and I enjoy it because I know what kind of passion that you still have for your Seminoles and for college football, and for the great, great, uh, great sport of professional wrestling, sports entertainment, however you want to call it nowadays. But having you as a friend, and, and you know, I, I did, you know, one of the great things about this show that John and I do, even though I've known you for years and years, you still want to do some research because of the guy like with your pedigree comes on, you want to make sure you get, get things close as you can to right. Even though we will stretch the truth every once in a while on this show. But for our own entertainment, but uh, having you on here and, uh, and hearing your story, you know, I was telling John before we went on the air, but doing the research, John sent me a, a, a half hour, 45 minute clip of a show that you and him did. I did not really know the understanding of your upbringing and everything and what created that fire inside of you, that passion that, that, that you burn inside of you for you not to just be another statistic out there, but to take yourself and use that drive to achieve greatness. The only other person I've ever heard describe it like that was my brother. So my brother, Jack, who is, you know, two-time All-American national champion and world champion, achieves uh, uh, some of the great heights that you did. And, and of course, you know, we're Native American. So a lot of your story fit, fit, fit the profile of, of my family there. Brother, and, and to hear that fight and hear that passion that you had, it's it's so inspiring, and anybody that that's out there, especially young guys that are trying to make up their mind what path they want to go down, should sit down and listen to John and you's interview because 
it's not only about wrestling. It's two friends, two close friends sitting there discussing their lives and what inspired them. And, 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 and you said it, you know, you know, everybody out there, you're given, you're given the same path and it's up to you on what you, what you do with it. And you took the worst negative that you could possibly have. Like we're put on a damn bus, my mom and six kids said after three weeks living, my dad sold all of our head rights, uh, our property that the government gave, uh, gave us as being Native Americans after they sold our land in Oklahoma. My, my old man took all that property, sold us. We all went out to California. Six weeks later, he put my mom and six kids on a bus, sent us back to Oklahoma. You're on your own, you know, <laughs> and I'm, you know, I'm six, seven years old. My brother's 14 years old. And that fire started burning, and, and I said, hey, man, we ain't going to let this stop us from being what we want to be. So you're, you're an inspiration, not only to thousands of young men, but, but to, to people like me, too, that kind of live that similar life that you did, man. So what an honor it is, and, and what a person you you become, man. I mean, you know, my kids just idolize you. My Wes and uh, my son, Joe, you haven't met him, but uh, Wes, you know what, what he thinks. I mean, every time he catches a fish, the first person he sends that fish, so just to rub it in, mostly it's to, it's to Uncle Ron, man. He loves you to death there, so. Man, uh, this is a man, but what I was saying, everybody should listen to that interview that John did with you and get a get a fuller inside depth of Ron Simmons. Not only Ron Simmons, the great world-class athlete in two sports, but Ron Simmons, the world-class man. So thank you so much for being on our show, Ron. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, well, you know what? And, you know, uh, it was really funny because just on the way coming over here to Corinne's home, I was thinking along those same lines because I had just encountered, you know, a young man was talking to me about football, you know, and he was getting ready to get offered some scholarship, right? And he had similar uh, things that have gone on in his life, the same, you know, to mine that had happened to me, you know. See, I, I'm not a guy that willingly comes out and want to offer that information or give, give it to you because sometimes now you feel like you're talking on the fears. But if a kid is willing to listen, to me, you know, and I can, I'll give them my story of what I think will motivate you. It can help you go out if you can get anything from my story. You know, you know, I've got a picture of myself, you know, and it's in my hallway. It's when I was 17 years old. You know? I think that young man, I thank him all the time, Jerry, because he was at a pivotal point in his life of making choices that could have been disastrous to his life at that point, you know? But instead, he understood what the talents that God had given him. It wasn't going to be Rose Scholar going to Oxford, you know, and all of this. He had he knew that the God-given ability that he was given was his body and his athletic talent. And so now what was he going to do with it? Was he going to just throw it away like a lot of young men do today that I see? Or was he going to tap into that and enhance those abilities and see where it takes him in life? And luckily, he made the right choice. He stayed in school, didn't miss a day of high school when there was absolutely no one around to push him to stay wow. in school. He did everything it took to motivate himself to get 
to enhance the abilities that God gave him. So that 17-year-old kid that Ron Simmons, when I see him on that wall, I thank him every day because if he didn't make the right choices then, you and I and John are not having this conversation. All right. When did you realize, Ron, that athletics was – you were also really, really good at it. But when did you realize also that that was your path to a future, to a job, to so much uh, in your life that you didn't have at that point? Well, actually, you know, in junior high school, you know, I was – my first love was baseball, you know. And so then I started to, you know, as I was lifting weights and developing, getting bigger in the muscles. And so that's when the coach put me about, you know, maybe coming out and trying out for football, you know. So I was doing baseball and track, you know, just as a shot put. And I actually walked onto the football field and it, it just clicked right then, you know. For me, right then, I think more than anything, that's when I found out that, you know, the abilities that I'm going to have is this is going to be through athletics. And thank God that for me, man, I had very, very good coaches throughout junior high and all the way throughout my entire football career. But at the point of junior high, that's when I really knew that, you know, hey, if there's going to be any way out of this at all, you know, for me, man, it was going to be theoretical. And that's when I really realized that, you know, I've been given a, you know, been blessed with a great body and, and some athletic ability, you know. And, and so in, uh, going on into high school, that's when I really knew that, hey, now if you're going to do this thing right, you you got you got one shot, okay? One shot. And if you're going to do it right, you've got to put everything you got into it. And believe me, when I say everything, I'm not just saying this. I mean it. I, brother, I would take the cement blocks from a construction site and drag them four miles to my home to use those as weights, you know? Hey, everything I could do in order to make myself better, you know? So that coach that probably got a job somewhere else because of you probably tells the story that the greatest Christmas gift ever was when Ron Simmons walked on the football field and said, hey, I think I want to try this. <laughs> some, <laughs> co some coach had to be thinking, I just hit the gold line. <laughs> Oh. And that's the truth, you know. Yeah, you no. Know, listen, man. I, I, hey, I, 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 I am at this point, you know, as like Jerry was uh, right. I, when I reflect back and I look at, you know, things that have happened in my life and the journey that it took me, you know, in order to get here and to achieve the things that I've done, you know, I, I I'm, I'm very happy with what I've done, and more importantly, I think. I, I'm very, I'm extremely ecstatic about the way I did it, you know. I did it to the best of my ability. I did it with class I tried to do and with dignity. I didn't try to step on anybody's toes or go around anybody doing it. I did it the way I think a man should. I earned it, you know. I did it the right way. So I have no relations about nothing, man, that I've done. So, Ron, when did you – when you walked on the football field, did you right away take to the game or did it take you a while to become a starter and then a star? Because you became an All-American at Warner Robins, one of the biggest recruits uh, that Bobby Bowden said he ever signed. Everybody wanted you. When did you become that star on the field? Uh, did it happen right away or did it take a few years of learning the game? Well, you know, actually, no. It, I, you know, I, I got to be honest with this, man. The minute I stepped on the field – 
you know, and, and with, you know, with the teachings of the coaching, right, the ability was there, you know. So I had no problem with, with the athletic ability of going through everything it takes to, you know, that's required of all. It was just the techniques that, you know, that, I, that I'm being taught now in order to enhance, you know, myself as far as being a, a good football player. Because all the skills were there, you know. By the time I got to high school, I mean, hey, it was like that was that 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 was my path, you know, football, you know. So I dropped everything, again, but I still did the shot put and track. But I dropped baseball, and I just concentrated mostly on football. And you know, Ron, I mean, you're from Warner Robins, Georgia, and you go back and you look through the who's who of Warner Robins football. There were a lot of lot of great athletes that came out of that area, and you 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 by far exceeded mm-hmm. all of them. So. You know, yeah, I, I just recall, you know, at a time when we, we all played Pop Warner football or Little League football or, or why, whatever it was, you know, bro. there was always that guy that you had on your team that your coach knew right away. You just give Ronnie the ball, he's going to score a touchdown. You must have been one of those kids where all those parents on those opposing teams would be pouring. Watch that number 50 over there. He'll run right <laughs> over your kid. And just turn around and smile on the way to the goal line. <laughs> so, but you, you well, had you know, to be that you know, it's funny. Well, you know, it's funny you say that, man, because uh, I was a, you know, for high school then, you know, at 220 pounds, that was a pretty big guy back yeah. in 1976, yo. That was like huge yeah. thing, right? So everywhere that go, and, you know, we were beating people, man, like 90 to nothing. You know, all of this had a ridiculous score, right? Yeah. So whenever we would travel somewhere and we would, you know, get off the bus and I could hear the, some of the people saying, hey, that's not a, that kid can't be, there's no way he's 17 years old. Yeah. yeah. He's got to be at least 20 years old. You know, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we we, we all we all we all accuse yeah. kids of being twenty years old. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. We used to say that all the time in West yeah. Texas. We, we'd see some Spend. huge middle line. We'd see some huge middle linebacker. We go, he's twenty. He's got to be twenty, maybe twenty-two. He can't be eighteen years old. Especially when he's standing over you. Yeah. How do you like that kid? <laughs> yeah, but you know, and I mean, they were they were. They were very serious, though, man. They were, you know, we were in the, like in the playoffs, and you know how crazy people can get when you know when you get into the playoffs about it. They're like somebody should check that number. He's not, he's not legal. I guarantee you. You know, of course, I had long sideburns. You know, hey, I looked like I was something out of a Shaft movie. So you know, I could see weight on. You know. <laughs> did you have the big? Did you have the big throw too, Ronnie? Be truthful. Oh. I had the big pro, I had it all, man. Oh, man. <laughs> Dr. J, bro, that was the greatest, that was the greatest yeah. thing ever was those, those yeah. huge pros like Dr. J had. Dr. It J. It was yeah. so good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, yeah. hey, Ron, you remember we, we found your All-American picture. Uh, remember where we found it? We found it in your brother's gym in Detroit. <laughs> So Ron didn't yeah. know where his Ron yeah. didn't know where his picture was, and I, we walk into his brother's gym, and his brother was a, a pro bodybuilder. He was a huge Johnson, was a huge guy, yeah. and so I look back there, yeah. and there's a picture of Ron in high school, and I said, "Ron, uh, look at this picture." He goes, "That's where the picture is." <laughs> <laughs> 
and guess what, John? I come to find out, right? You know, every time, you know, he would walk into my house, you know, Derek, you know, he'd be out wandering around, walking all through the house, you know, you know, like he's just looking around, right? But see, I didn't know, uh, little to my knowledge, that, hey, he was, you know, taking things out of the house, man, you know? <laughs> so we, I walked up in there, right? Not only did he have my All-American picture, John, hey, listen, man, he's had, he's got flags, he's got trophies, everything, man, stored <laughs> in his house, okay? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's well, got all of my guys in his home. Ron, your brother was a, a, a super athlete too, and that too it caused a lot of controversy on you when you're being recruited, right? But take us through that recruiting uh, trial that you had. I mean, we've had guys on, you know, Bobby Bowden come to the door, you know, Bud Wilkes has been in our house, you know, Daryl Royal. Well, we can't forget Texas, who was uh, Daryl Royal, by the way, was a great Okie too, by that had to go down to Texas. <laughs> And teach those Texans how to play football the right way. But uh, anyway, you know, we've all had, you know, great coaches. But I bet there was a parade of coaches coming to your front door trying to recruit a young Ron Simmons. Oh, man. Listen, uh, listen it, it, it was an absolute <laughs> frenzy, okay? Well, and at that, at that point, I had uh, I, I moved out of – I was living with my cousin, my older brother, and I – by the way – my, uh, speaking of my brother's athletic ability, my older brother, Bobby, you know, he, he went on to, and yeah, he's a pretty good football player's offensive guard. He earned a scholarship going up to college in Tennessee. So that was very, very helpful for both of us, you know, because I stayed behind and my older brother stayed behind after my grandmother had passed away, we were living with, and my aunt came down and got my other siblings and I took back to Detroit in order to, you know, in order to keep us from going to an orphanage, you know. So I moved in with my cousin, and that's where I was living with at this time, who was my mother's brother, you know. And so during that phase, it was absolutely crazy because I had just about, you know, everybody come through. I had scholarships from everywhere, you know, you name it, Alabama, all the Southeastern Conference. Well, was the was the bear was the was was the bear bright coaching at Alabama at that time, Ronnie? When you were going through, yeah, still down, yeah, still down there. But the bear, I didn't get to see the bear. He set up, you know, the offensive and defensive coordinators will come, you know, come up right and Auburn, you know, Stallion, them, Jim Carlin, you know, came from South Carolina, Vince Dooley, Bobby Bowden, yeah. Pepper Rogers, all all of these, right? So. I had narrowed it down in my mind. I'm not a snow guy. I don't like cold weather. Okay. <laughs> so that was moved out. <laughs> I'm not going anywhere where it snows, man. That's out. You know, yeah, so I yeah. wouldn't even take those, ignore those calls. I had ruled that out. And all those coaches that I didn't want to see. I narrowed it down that I was going to stay in the South, you know. And actually, everyone had picked me, you know, to go to Georgia, you know, because, hey, that's what you do. You know, you play football in Georgia and being from Warner Robins, that's where most of all of our, you know, guys that have come out of the recruits have gone to University of Georgia. So I promised you, the guy did, did, that did, I was Didn't you have a brother that played for Georgia too or something? Yeah, I did. Right. I, yeah. My brother, and I called him my brother because I was living with, and he was my cousin's son, Jimmy Womack. If you go back and look at the film, uh, him, he's the one that was blocking Pusher Walk, you know. 
So wow. he and I were on the same team at Warner Robins during that time, along with James Brooks, who you might remember that played at all right. and went on to be a great back at Cincinnati, you know, uh, for the Bengals, right? But during that time, it was absolutely crazy, man, because everyone had chosen, you know, pick go to Georgia, you know, everybody was coming around, bringing things, you know, coming to the house, you know, going to bring, take me to dinner, you know, to coach me into going to Georgia. But I had promised a guy by the name of Bill Franklin, whom I used to work with over at, he had a starter and battery place that I used to work with at the Sunday at the high school. And he played at, and he was a player for Coach Bowden when he was at Southern uh, College, when Coach Bowden co- co- in his early coaching career, and he played and he played for him then. So I promised him a visit that I would go visit Florida State. I had no idea where Florida State was, like a lot of other people <laughs> in, in Warner Robinson's Georgia. They had no idea, man, where Florida State was or even heard of Florida State University because, you know, it had been an all-road school and all of these things, and it wasn't winning or anything like that. So I promised him a visit that I would take one of my visits to go there. So I had it. Came down the last visit that I was going. I had gone to Georgia, Auburn, all of these places to get to visit South Carolina. So each time that I would take those visits, Jared, John, you know, I would go there and most of the coaches would be like, hey, they were more, you know, wanting to entertain me. You know, they had the cute girls there with you, you know, and all of this kind of thing, you know. But none of them ever talked to me about football itself, you know, and no. None of them. So on the last visit, I went to see Coach Bowden, and I came down to Florida State University. And the first things out of his mouth was that, look, I know you've probably heard it all by now, and there's nothing that I can offer you other than a scholarship to come here to play football, to earn a scholarship, and your academics, you know. But here's what I can do. If you come here, and from the first you step onto this field, if you show me and these coaches that you are worthy to start from day one, we will put you in that position. You've got to earn it. Now, that's the best thing I've heard because no one else has said that to me in that context. They have talked to me about, well, you come in, you do well, maybe we put a red shirt on you so you can learn your position. A red shirt. Man, I'm the national championship <laughs> in high school. I'm, not, I'm lineman of the year. I, I don't want to register, man. I want to play football, you know? So those were words that I wanted to hear. And when it came back and I finally made that decision that I was going to go to Florida State, but I had to go into high school. I mean, literally. You know, my cousin, my, I like to call him my stepdad, you know, had to literally take me out and take me in the country to stay out there for a period of time, bro. Believe me, okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're, it, right, it, you're it, right, you're right, you're right in the heart of that bulldog nation, man, oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 you know, I, mean, I like to tell you a funny story about when Kyle Riley came to my home uh, one time, right, and, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, the coaches go to great extent, you know what I'm saying, to, you know, to fit in and do what it takes, you know, to get you to come to school, right? But he was very comfortable uh, coming in. He was, you know, he was very comfortable around all of my cousins, my siblings, right? 
And more importantly, you know, when we eat dinner, that now, and this is a real country dinner we're having, all right? We had like the, the very pork rind, and we had the biscuits and the syrup. And so for the most of you all that are not aware of this, this is called a sopping syrup dinner. So you would sop the syrup with the biscuit, and, you know, you would eat the pork rind along with it, right? That's what we were having for dinner that day. Do you know that Coach Bob sat down and sopped syrup with us, okay, <laughs> at the dinner table? <laughs> Listen, John, he sat down, man, took the biscuit, okay, just like he'd been doing it all his life, and was just sopping the syrup, you know, talking to all of us at, at, at the same time. And, you know, and we all are looking at each other like, uh, is this, he really doing this? Right, and I think from that moment on, with my cousin, with my cousin and with his wife, that won them over. You know, oh. that that right there kind of hit home with them because they, they felt that ease with him, and they felt that he would be the one to take better care of me away from home. You know, so it, it was a perfect fit for me. And did you feel right away that, uh, you know, you, you became kind of a, a, a son to, to Bowden? He talked about you like a son, and you talked about him like a, like a father. Uh, did right away, did you get that feeling from uh, Coach Bowden that this man, you had this connection with him? Oh, absolutely, man. You know, I, I, I never felt tense or I felt pressured to do anything like that around him. And more importantly, he knew my background, you know, he knew uh, from the things that I've gone through in order to get to where I was, you know, he kept mentoring me, you know, he kept talking to me, you know, uh, and that was at a point to where at one point, you know, I was making some, de- making, getting ready to make those decisions, and, and he, he would come to me, and he, he told me one time, and I never forgot, he says, I understand the things that you've gone through, and I know uh, that they can sometimes Still there? Yeah, yes, there. And he says, I know that. Yeah, he says, sometimes I know that it can get to you and it can weigh you down. But he says, listen, son, here's the point that you've got to, at this point in your life, decisions you've got to make. He says, life is dealt you. These are his words. He says, life has dealt you a bad hand. Now, are you going to take this hand and let it defeat you for the rest of your life or define what you're doing the rest of your life? Or are you going to step up at this point and become the man that I know you can be? I never forget those words, you know. I, I, and those words vibrate so much with me, man, that I still carry them. I carry them with me throughout my life, you know. And it was those kind of things I think that sometimes when we're talking to young men, I don't think that we understand that like what you see to them does carry weight. And carry it with me. So, you know, I'm very selective about what I say to kids these days because I know the importance of what it means to them. Those words meant a lot to me. What it me? It helped me throughout my life. And it really defined me as a man, more importantly. So, yes, man, I, I, I knew he was going to be the guy that I wanted to play football for. Lex Luger was on our show uh, a month or two ago, and Lex was talking about playing against you. And he said the Orange Bowl, but I don't know if it was a a conference game or just in a stadium. But he talked about their center 
that was he said the guy bench pressed about 235 and you were like a 500 pound bench presser then and he said when you lined up and those huge arms were right across front he said he remembers looking at that kid's eyes like gives like oh my god i'm in so much trouble <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, we, I, play, I think we had two years later against Lou. And, you know he's pretty good i'll tackle him himself you know right he's at miami but we, we played we did play in the orange bowl but it was again mike Andy. So that's where they played their game you know but he was a good football player himself Hey, when did you become such a big bencher? You know, I think when you were with the Cleveland Browns, you did 225, 48 times. I believe that's right, 48, 47 times. You can crack. But when Mandrich did 43 times when I was graduating college, everybody thought it was the greatest thing ever. But you did that back in 1980, 82 area. When did you become such a big bencher? Well, Let's say I, I uh, you know, let me give you the real basis of how, of how this really happened, right? You remember in the comic books, right? You remember that session back there where you could sit off a Charles Atlas like seven month course right. that was a comic book on the yeah, back on the I back of every comic that. book, yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. I, I sit off for that, you know, because you know, in in, in that lesson that he had, you didn't have to have any weight because I didn't have money to buy weight. You could use home utensils and things around the house that you could use for weights, you know. Like I had mentioned, I dragged off, you know, a cement dumbbell home from the construction site. I was using that as a, you know, as barbell and dumbbells, right? And then also, I was using my sisters and brothers for, you know, bench pressing them. I was stacking them <laughs> on top of one another. your greatest bench your greatest bench either reps or sets or one one rep max what was your best bench or what do you think you could have benched if you trained just for yeah, competition the, the, the max, yeah the maximum bench i did 565 and that was oh. that was a one rep you know but but it was but it was nothing for me man to go into a gym you know i always used to like to as you know i used to like to tease the guys you know, whenever we went to a weight room and, you know, I come in and cowboy boots <laughs> and blue jeans on, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. and I, I wouldn't I, I wouldn't warm up. i just come in, put on three three fifteen, Jerry, and do it for about oh, 15 or 20 reps, right? Oh, man. And I'd sit up, you know, right? And, and, and That's enough. Comb my hair. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Uh, John, John brought up Tony Mandridge. He was setting all these records, you know, as a college football player. But come to find out, a lot of that was all enhancement. And I remember looking at you, and you showed yeah. me a picture, and you looked like Mister Mister uh, USA or, or Mister World. You said that was all natural too. 
And that, that was the thing I always respect about you. You never, you never, you never tried any of that. You, cause you didn't need to, you just had that DNA, that genetic makeup where, man, you look like a freak all the time. Well, yeah, you know, I, I never, man, I didn't even know what that was. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and uh, you I, couldn't it, afford it, it on top of it, right? <laughs> on top of that, right? Yeah. But here's the thing about that, you know, yeah, you always can tell the guys that have, you know, with the enhancement using uh, the steroids as a shortcut because the, the instantaneous effects that it have on you. But see, when you do it the natural way, when as a guy starts to get older, you can tell that he did the right way because his body still retains some of his muscularity, you know. And the minute you go off of the steroids, brother, it is, oh, who is this guy, you know. Right. And you can tell when the guys have been doing that because once they got up of it, they didn't have the athletic ability that they was having. They didn't have the strength. They didn't have the muscularity that they were carrying around. And that, and that wasn't the way I wanted to do it, man. I did it, you know, the way that I thought it should be done. Because for me, at my position, as I went on through college, I, as, the, as the guys got bigger, you know, and they got faster, you know. And so for me, being strong and being fast was going to be to my credit. So that's what I took a lot of pride in doing. You know, Ron, this might, you might find this interesting because I looked it up about ventures. Uh, and I think it was 1959. Bruno Sammartino had the world record at 565. And then in 19, I think 81, it was the first guy to bench press over 650. It was uh, Bill Kazmaier, 661. Right. So your your bench was world class at that time. You know, they later, you know, Tedar City, I think in 84, broke Kazmaier's record. But then the shirts came into effect. That's how they got over 700 pounds, 800 pounds, all that stuff was the was the extra paraphernalia. Luger told us the story that Luger was like a 500-pound bencher, and he said he saw you come in the gym one time with your jeans and boots on, put 315 on there, put 405 on there, and then put 495 with the collars to make it 500, and Luger said he wanted to quit working out forever. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, you know, I've got to I've gotta give up my problem give a lot of thanks to and uh, speaking of Lex too man because had not been for Lex being a, a very very instrumental guy and in getting me into the wrestling business itself and if you recall he was trained by hero Matt Suda himself right. you know yeah and yeah. at that point uh he and I had played uh, uh USFL uh for three years you know so I was just getting winding up that football career with that and at that point you know uh, we were still talking and we were still friends, man. And he came and he came to me and gave me a call. He said, hey, uh, Hero Matsuda, and at that point, they're looking for black guys that will want to be having interest in doing and being in this business, man, in the rest of it. And, you know, at that point, I was still, I need maybe get in, I was working at a detention center and still maybe want to get into broadcasting or doing something of that nature. But he, he says, well, hey, once you give it a shot and come down and talk to Hero Matsuda, man, and see where this thing takes you. So that's what I did. And had not been for him setting up that meeting for me, man, I wouldn't have been able to get my foot in the door. So I want to thank him always for that. Were you good friends with Lex at uh, Bandit? I mean, Lex was a great well, athlete. Lex, was a, Lex was a great athlete uh, and a great football mm -hmm. player. 
I mean, one of the best bodies of all time yeah. in uh, wrestling history. Uh, did you? I know you knew him with Bandit Ball because you both played there several times for Steve Spurrier. Did were you pretty good friends with yeah. him then, or did he just find you later and say, "Hey, trying to help you out," and say, "Hey, maybe you should go down and talk to Hero." Oh no, no, man, we stayed in touch. We were good friends, you know. We and we would often teach each other because you know we had played against each other in college. You know, him at Miami and me at Florida State. You know, so we stayed in each other, and, and, and thank goodness we did. You know, I stay in contact with each other, and that he had a way to contact me. You know, right? And he did me a great favor, man, by introducing me to Hero Max Super. So I, I'm forever grateful to him for that. Yeah, but no, man, and we were very, we were good, always happy. Still, and we still are. John, I've told you, I've told Ron this story, but there was there was a the sports editor of the Tampa Tribune, one of the most respected uh, sports editors at that time during in the United States. As a matter of fact, he's the one that got Leroy Selman and several other guys uh, that he stood up for and nominate them for the National Football Hall of Fame. But Tom McEwen, who who became a very dear friend of of Ron and Lex and and a football. He was a very tight friend with Eddie Graham. He was a sports editor here. So Eddie kind of took care of him. Hey, I got an athlete. You know, anytime there was an athlete like like me or my brother or Bob Roop or some of these guys that had a little background, Tom would come down and make sure the Tampa area knew that these guys were athletic too. But he he really liked Eddie Graham. He really liked Jack and I, and he liked athletes. And Ron and, and Lex were on the bandit team. And, Bad at ball at that time. I mean, I was a huge fan. I was a huge fan of Lonnie Anderson, yeah. <laughs> who was one of the owners, <laughs> along with Burt Reynolds, you know, and uh, and all those guys. Yeah. But I, I knew several of the executives there. But uh, one day, Tom McEwen called Eddie Graham and told Eddie about Ron and told him about Lex Luger, and 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 uh, you know, he said that these guys can make you great great professional wrestlers down the road. They both go, both have the bodies for it, and they're both very articulate. And Eddie Graham's eyes lit up, and, of course, the hero, uh, that's, when, that's when the contact from Matt Suda was extended to, to Lex to get you along to come down there. And it was the greatest recommendation in the world. But Tom McEwen went on every time I'd ever see Tom, and Tom and I, during his later years, when he when he's starting to, to fade a little bit, he and I became very close friends. We go to lunch, and his favorite subject was Ron Simmons. He said, "I've been covering sports all my life. I've never seen a greater athlete and a and a, a more intense guy than Ron Simmons." He said, "He'll he'll make you guys a huge star." So this this guy, you know, coming from amateur athletics to push two great young football players on us like he did. And you you know what kind of t uh, man Tom was, Ron. Oh yes, I, I remember Tom. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I remember him very well. He, you know what? He was a, he was always a very fair reporter. And the best thing I, I loved about Tom uh, Jerry was that he didn't just print things when things were going well for you. He printed it in a way so when you read it, it actually made you come back and want to be a better better football player or better wrestler or whatever it was that you were doing, you know? So he was always very fair, man. Whenever I, I would talk to him or whenever he would make, you know, articles about me, I always loved reading them, you know? I always got a lot out of what he printed about me, even when things didn't, when I didn't play well or when I did play well. Uh -huh. So I, I really had a lot of respect for him. 
Hey, you guys, you guys were out drawing the Buccaneers. I had season tickets to both of them. I go to a Buck game, and it'd be like 20, 25,000 people. Hell, on Saturday night, I go to a Tampa Bay Bandit guy, game, and there'd be 65,000 people, uh, John, and, and that damn Satan right. cheering the Tampa Bay Bandits on. I mean, <laughs> it, was, it was phenomenal how they captured the city. But they cap they captured it through yeah. guys with like Ron because they really pushed Ron's personality and Florida State, of course, with the bandits in it. But they 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 were the hottest article in town. Oh yeah, man. Well, listen, you know what? That that football league was thriving very well. It was going great, man. I, I mean, it had a perfect slot for where we were, right? And all they had to do was stay the course where we were, but. Just as human nature would take it, greed kicked in. You don't. Okay. You're, not, you're not saying Tom, uh, Donald Trump was greedy and killed the USFL, are you? Yes, <laughs> I hope. <laughs> just, just after just three years, they felt they could go head on with the National Football League. I mean, listen, man, you could have taken the dumbest person on this planet and knew that. You couldn't have done that in that time frame. And all you had to do was stay the course right now. I guarantee you that league still be in existence yeah. now if they had that the right way. You know? I, I, gar do it I guarantee right it. Yeah, I guarantee it. That, that league had such a great following. I mean, you had so many guys. You had Flutie in that league. You had Herschel in that league. You had so oh, many yeah. great athletes in that league. Hey, what do you ever think? Uh, I always yeah. heard the always heard the joke about Steve Spurrier, and it's a joke. I met him at uh, one of his things in uh, North Carolina. He, he was terrific. But they always said, "What's the difference between God and Steve Spurrier?" Is God never th thought he was Steve Spurrier? That's not too far. It ain't too far from the truth. <laughs> <laughs> How'd you like the old ball coach, as they call him? He seemed like a fun guy. You know what? Now, he might not know anything when it comes to defensive uh, play and, 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 and so to speak. But I can assure you of one thing. Brother. When it comes to an offensive mind, there is none better than Steve Spurrier. The man is an absolute genius when it comes to offensive-minded coaches, okay? Now, he didn't care that much about defense, all right? But I can assure you, brother, that's why – that's why the people you know, in the Tampa Bay area love them and watch the best play. Because, listen, man, they were going to get wide open football with Steve Spurrier. It was bandit, nothing for bandit him to ball. the ball, man. Bandit ball, man. Bandit That's ball, what we call it. Know? Bandit ball. I mean, uh, John, there were license tags. There were billboards. And here, here, this is the home of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Granted, they weren't worth a damn, but, man. NFL. And, damn, here's this league full of full our kids coming in. But the, you know the the, the management uh, hard. They hired a local hero in Steve Spurrier. They brought in guys like Ron and Lex who played college ball here. And plus, I mean, Spurrier. I think uh, uh, Reeves wasn't Reeves, the local guy here in Tampa. He was your quarterback for a while here, Don Reeves. And so they had quality football players on the team, just, just like they did an entire. Uh, USFL, but if if they hadn't oh, got yeah. greedy, if they hadn't got greedy, man, like you say, that that that, that organization probably still be here in some form. Oh, it still be going. It still be going right now, man. I assure you, right now. 
Jerry, you told a story one time that you went down and saw Ron train with Hero. Uh, oh, Matt I, Suda. yeah, yeah, exactly. I want to get it. And Ron can tell you that Matt Suda's gym was two, two out, three blocks from Briscoe Brothers Body Shop. Ron used to tell me, right. and I, I used to ask Ron if I could tear his bags into the bandit ball so I could get cyanide passes there. <laughs> <laughs> but no, you know, you all these rumors, you know, uh, Hero, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean. This is a building now. You think you think he just come out of pro football, right? I mean, these pro football facilities, air conditioned facilities, weight racks all pristine over here. You know, mats over here, all this stuff, air conditioned in a Florida man in the summertime. Oh, I go down there one day. Ron Lex and a couple other guys, and big guys, I can't even remember who they were because they didn't make it. You might, you might, you might bring up their names. Who, who else was there? But anyway, okay. You walk in this place, John, it's a center block place with no insulation in the attic, no attic fans, no ventilation whatsoever. Got two or three wrestling mats over here. Got a base press bar and a couple of free weights and some (laughs) dip bars. And, and, and Mad Suda had a, five mile track laid out where you ran around Drew Park there. And they they they, they and, and it was a torture chamber is what it was. And the neighbors After said you could you, you could you could hear these guys hollering for a mile away when they would when they would have workouts. I you know I was right down the street so I, you know I'm I've heard all about this stuff and you know I would grass I thought we had pretty rough workouts. But I never had an Oriental workout like this. So I go over there one day to watch Ron and Lex and everybody in there because football players. I wanted to see these guys. And and it was 125 degrees if it was 100 degree. Right, Ron? I mean, that, that, there was no ventilation. Nothing. And, it, and, play, and plus, he had like 15 Japanese women over in the corner making wrestling singlets. I remember that. He, he sold the wrestling singlets to uh, USA Wrestling, All Japan Wrestling. And so these women over there, so they're generating heat. And here are these guys over there huffing and puffing, lifting weights, doing wheelbarrow races up and down those mats. And their tongues are hanging out, sweat. I mean, their 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 workout clothes. You 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 can fill Tampa Bay up with the sweat from there. So it it was it wasn't no social club where these guys were working out. <laughs> no. you know you know and, and, and you know what, man. I I had come off you know hey when you're playing football like you say you know coming off a great college career and all that you know three years with the Tampa Bay Bandits right and I'm thinking well hey you know what. Uh, how tough can this be? You know, there can't be anything tougher than two days and, and this kind of thing that I've gone through, right? I can assure you, as I am sitting here now, that, that was the toughest thing I've ever had to endure in my life. That's the that's the one the first time that I admit that I said to myself, "Hey, man." I don't know if I'm going to stick this out, you know, <laughs> but thank God, you know, thank God for me, I'm the kind of guy that, hey, when I thought something, I don't have to quit. And that's the only thing that kept me because I can say, listen, John, listen, Hero Matsuda was nothing Ooh. short of torture chamber, as Jerry said it, okay? <laughs> Brother, we didn't even get in the ring and hit the ropes 
until it was like two months into the training. Okay? We didn't even see the ring. (laughs) But you know what? Looking back at it, I'm really grateful he put me through it that way because I had a very profound respect for this business and what it was going to take in order to endure it, you know? And he knew that, hey, if you can make it through this, and if you got it, if you got it in there, man, and things went well for you, then, hey, you could probably make a career out of it. So I'm very thankful that he put me through it that way because I assure you, my my love for business had a total different view from the way that I was. Yeah, one thing about Training ahead, like that, Ron, was, was one thing about training like that was you felt like you were in a brotherhood when you got done with it. You know, it was so hard Absolutely. that once that once you got done, right. with it, you, you, you didn't get in easy. If you got in easy, but you, you, you had to work so hard and so many people quit that when you got in there, you really felt like you were part of a brotherhood because you had really paid the dues to get in. Absolutely. And you know what? And, and, it's, and it's good that you said because the minute that I you know, that I did get going into the first match and then entering into the locker room, you know what? I could tell then that the guys knew, you know, hey, if I went through that and I've come out of hero match through the training school, <laughs> they knew that I was serious, you know, okay? That I was serious about learning this business, all right? And so they opened up to me, man, you know, people, you know, like Jerry, you know, and, and uh, oh my God, Blackjack, you know, run fast, all of them. They they opened up to me, man, and would want to help me with things that they they would see I was I was doing because they knew that hey, if he stayed in it and stuck this out with Hero Matsuda, hey, he's serious about wanting to be in this business. So yeah, you're absolutely right. I saw that you tagged with uh, Matt Bourne, and I didn't realize that. You know, I knew, I knew you had the great uh, tag yeah. team with with with, with uh, Butch was. To me, one of the most intimidating tag teams yeah. still of all time. But I didn't realize you had tagged with Matt. How did you like working with Matt Bourne? Well, I love working, working with Matt, you know, because Matt, he, he was he was in, in, in some ways similar to with you, right? You know, he didn't mind working stiff. He didn't mind taking stiffness from other guys, you know? He wasn't a guy that complained. You know, and you know, get out and start moaning about guys hitting him or kicking him. I never heard him complain about anything. Hey, he would come out, go out there, do his job, and he would do it really well. You know, so I I, I love working with Matt. You know, because he he had similar skills. You know, and wanting to work the way that I did. So and then it was a plus. It was a plus for me. You know, working with him. So I love tagging with him, man. Right, go ahead, Ronnie, this, 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 this is where uh, my, my timeline with you gets, it gets a little confused because I'd left the NWA at the time and joined the uh, WWE, uh, WWF at the time. But your career seemed to, I know you, you had the training there with, uh, with Mad Suda, but I, I seemed to launch. Did you, did you go into Dusty? Uh, of course, Dusty and Mike and Steve were running the company at that time, right? Or was Eddie still running yeah. the company? Was it Dusty yeah, and Steve and Mike? Yeah, it was, it was Dusty, you know? Dusty, okay. Yeah, so, Dusty was, yeah. That's what so I, it, did, it did take you long because here, here's the jump that I, I, I had trouble placing any timelines in between. The, the jump from you training and then the jump all of a sudden 
you're almost made eventing uh, for Jim Crockett Promotions, who at that time, you know, had one of the, the best promotions, and been a promotion, NWA promotion, in the entire world. All of a sudden, here, 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 Ron Simmons, right, basically right out of training school, and you're thrown in that mix. Was it Dusty that got you with Crockett, or how, how did you skip that Florida Florida circuit and go, go, go right into basically the big time with Crockett? Well, actually, you know what? I, I spent some time in Florida. The first match I kicked off was with the Assassin. I remember that, right? But like hey, I said, yeah. man, I, I, yeah, with the, uh, I, I worked there in Florida for a while. But I'm real thankful, though. You know, like I said, man, I, I came in at the right time. When there was guys, like you said, around and Dusty and all of these guys, man, I mean, what better tutelage can a guy have that's getting in this business? Okay? You don't get any better. That Dusty Rhodes giving you, uh, uh, taking you under his ring and tutoring you, man, on the ins and outs of this business, you know. So I, I spent time with Dusty there in Florida for a while, and he was instrumental in me getting with Crockett. And then from there, I went out to Mid South, you know, for a while there, you know. And then I came back, you know, from there. You know? Yeah. So that's where that that path took me there. Yeah. Dusty was one that really loved athletes, and I'm not, I, I, I wasn't around yeah. at, at that time, but I can just imagine, you know, Dusty just getting a little gander at you. Holy cow, this guy, your reputation preceded you into the business, right? You were elected there already. And, uh, but Dusty, I just look at it, man, I, I know I personally can make a lot of money with it because that's how Dusty looked at guys, whether or not he could make yeah. money with them or not. But he must have laid eyes on you and saw those dollar signs just floating around. Yeah, well, you know what? But for me, man, I, I've always been a fan of, of professional wrestling because, you know, the physicality of it, you know, and, and that kind of thing was always you know, a, a natural attraction for me. But having watched him on TV and then having to get the opportunity to work with Dusty Rose, there's absolutely no one on this planet that will ever have been in this business or ever will be that knows this business better right. than Dusty Rose did. Okay. There's a guy, man, that you could put in the ring, brother, listen, that can take some fans through all of the emotions that they can possibly go through. So there was just tons of knowledge for me to gather from him. So, you know, for me, man, gaining all of that I could from him, you know, and like I said, Ron Bass, Blackjack Mother, all of these guys along the way, you know, Ricky Steamboat, working with all these guys, man, listen to me. It, it was like, uh, I like, you know, for me, for real, you know, coming up the way I did and the path that I took, it couldn't have been any better. So, you know, it took me all around working with guys like John said, Matt Bourne, you know, Steve Curran, you know, oh my gosh, Stan Lane, it, I could just keep going on and on, you know, right. And then for it to all come together and come full circle, and I wind up working with John in the end. Hey, you don't get a better career than <laughs> what I had uh, in professional wrestling, okay? Uh, hey, it, it's a thick book, man, you know, for real. And, hey, and Ron, also in Mid-South, that's where you got a tag with the dog, right? Yeah, had an opportunity to go out there, man, work with him. <laughs> You know, yeah. and once again, when we speak of, when we speak of charisma, hey, Ooh. now Junkyard Dog couldn't throw a, he couldn't 
couldn't throw a drop kick or do an arm drag to save he didn't your life. <laughs> he did, but he didn't have to. Like like you said, I, I've never seen a guy could just step in the ring and have more charisma and have the people absolutely going into a frenzy before he did anything. It was like and a dog. It was, it, was, it, it was like a dog pound. The old Cleveland dog pound. Him just walking to the ring, everybody start barking. I mean, just just the second he would step out of those yeah. curtains. This is pre music days, even John. I mean, this guy he'd step out, and people would see him, and they just start barking. I mean, uh, this guy was so over with with everybody, and 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 the, the charisma, and like you say, he could. Technique wise, he wasn't the greatest in the world, but he didn't need to be because all he had to do is go to that center of the ring and take a look around and look at that audience, and boom, they were right on top. They were with him, man. Oh, uh, unbelievable, man! You know, and and he was he was another guy, man, that he was very open with, you know, wanting to, you know, teach you the real, you know, insides and out of business, you know, and and like you just said. He would also, you know, try to tell me, hey, listen, you got all the physical skills, you know, but look, you got to learn how to, you know, put the emotions out there to get with the people, to get them, you know, to sell, you know, as we like to call it in the business, right? How to go about doing things, you know? And that's where I would take a little bit of knowledge from each one of these guys, you know? I'm like a sponge, man, taking it all in, you know? I mean, it was just unbelievable, you know, like I said, man, that, that, the journey I've gone in my wrestling career, man, you, you can't ask for a better journey than the one that I've had. You know, well, it, the, it was absolutely a thrill for me. The mentorship that you had was just phenomenal. I mean, you take you take Ernie Ladd sitting in a dressing room. Now, here's a guy that yeah. was all pro NFL. I mean, one of the greatest yeah. defensive ends of all time. It, it accomplished work. I uh, uh, played for the great Eddie Robinson at Grambling University. He had to he had to be somebody that you you looked up to to be able to sit in that dressing room over in the corner. And get get his because Ernie was so damn bright uh, with our business. He was a guy that athlete that come in and could kick the heck out of anybody he wanted to. But he knew it was oh, a yeah. business. He knew it was a business, and he knew what he had to do, and he knew what what he had to do at, at, to elevate his race in the business. And he did it in such a professional way. You had to look at that man and just gain so much knowledge from the great Ernie Lack. Well, absolutely. You know, and you'd be out of your mind, you know, you'd be crazy and, you know, not to do that, right? When you take guys like Ernie Lack, guys like Junkyard Dog, you got which guys that have had similar backgrounds to me coming out of football, right? And going into this business, right? That's what you want to look at. Okay, now these guys are having levels of success in doing this. Hey, let me just take a look at how they're doing. You know, hey, because that's right. Let me not be a fool to look at. That, you know, making they've made this transition and made it work for them. You know, so yes, I tried my I tried to take in as much as I could from each one of them. You know, and, and luckily for me, man, they all were very very inviting. You know, to me, man, and want to take me in and teach me. You know, things that I should know, not just about in the ring but how to carry yourself out of the ring and more importantly, how to carry yourself in the dressing room. Because I don't think a lot of people put a lot of stock in how 
of what the dressing room means in our its profession. Okay, we don't have dressing room ethics, brother. You won't make it in this. You won't. You won't make it in this business. Okay, if, if well, you're he, not he, liked he, in that locker room, you're not gonna make it. You two taught a lot of ethics in the, in the WWF WWE locker room. I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you're right. But, but none that, yeah, none that wasn't wanted at that time. <laughs> That's right. Hey, Rod, I, I know how you ended up with Butch Reed because you got these two imposing figures. I still think that's the most Whoa. intimidating tag team of all time. But how did you end up with that peanut-headed Teddy Long? <laughs> <laughs> you know, hey, listen, I, I still don't know how that happened. But you know what? I think he must have <laughs> You know, Butch and I were together. And, hey, we walk in there one day, John, and all of a sudden, you know, here comes this little Weasley-looking guy with a <laughs> do-rag on his head, right? And all of a sudden now, he's called and said, hey, okay, so uh, so here's what we're going to do on this interview right here. I, oh, Butch, well, and I, Butch and I are looking at each other like, yeah, like, what, what, what the hell are you talking about? When, when did you get in here, man? And he said, oh, and he says, what, they didn't tell you that I, I, I'm going to be y'all's manager now? And you know how Butch is, right? He said... No, then you ain't gonna be managing me. You get out of here. You take your peanut head ass on, you know. <laughs> and so that's where you got that. That's where you got the name Peanut Head from Bush, you know. Right, but hey. <laughs> that is awesome. But you know what? Hey, he, yeah, yeah. And it's such a good guy. I remember one time, Jerry, we uh, uh, Teddy had some photos, and I think they were The Rock or somebody. And he was signing them to like somebody in Marietta. And I said, well, why don't you just get the rock to sign it? And Teddy goes, well, the, the signature has to match the personification. I said, you're, 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 you're putting people's autographs on pictures. He goes, Ron goes, John, your picture is all over Marietta. Teddy goes, yeah, I got a muffler change. I got a whole change from you. Yeah. Hey, so you didn't know Teddy was going around signing your autograph that you had pictures all over Marietta. And look, and he's got Jerry's picture also, also, and his signature all over there. <laughs> Ronnie, one of the greatest stories in the business is when uh, Teddy Long left you in a blizzard snowstorm on the interstate up somewhere up in the northeastern there. And like you said, you hate cold weather and you hate the snow. I did uh, well, walk us through the visual of you standing out <laughs> that damn uh, blizzard as those tail lights are disappearing in the snow. Listen, <laughs> I, I can't even start this, you know, <laughs> listen, man. I, I can't, you know, I think I think about that all the time because I, for John and I, okay, you know, it wasn't uncommon for us after the matches were over to have a few beers, all right? So after all right. that, you know, we would do our normal, yeah, we would do our normal thing, right? But along the way, you know, we'd be teasing Teddy, we'd be jabbing him, Poking him in the back of the head because he did all he did all driving part, you know. So I think he's gotten a little fit with us, you know, like teasing him and making jokes at him. So you know, listen, we had to pull over to the side of the road, man, to revive, right? So I get it, and listen, it was a blizzard going on, right? Yeah, it was a blizzard. You know? a, it was yeah. an absolute blizzard. Yeah, yeah, you know, and we were traveling like. You know, hey man, no more about 
15, 20 miles an hour in order to get through it. So you get out to relieve ourselves, right? And John comes back in, you know, and now I'm thinking this is a joke. You know, I, I'm like, all right, so <laughs> he, you know, he, he's going he's gonna to stop the car at any minute, you know. But as I'm looking at the back of the taillights, there, and I'm thinking, well, surely, you know, John is going to tell him, he's going to tell this idiot. Now, take your mind, we're on a turnpike, I believe, yeah, and we're right. going one way. So you cannot turn around, you know. We're going one way. And I'm like, hey, wait a minute, what's, what's, what's happening here? Surely John is going <laughs> to slap this fool in the back of the head to make him stop. And I'm watching the taillight as they just disappear into oh. the snow. Now, I cannot, I cannot move because they'll never find me or see me. At <laughs> That's that right. Point. All right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, now, I'm, co- I'm covered. I'm covered in snow, man. I mean, I'm, I'm literally covered in snow now. So I'm like, oh, my God, how is this going to work? So I think at that point, what did you do, John? Did you? Did you tell oh, him? Yeah. <laughs> so I, I think that Teddy's going to pull up a few feet and stop, which I don't think is funny anyway because it's cold, it's freezing. Anyway, and we've been teasing him, yes. So I'm thinking, okay, Teddy's going to pull up a few feet and stop. And then he drives off. And, I, and I'm looking at him, and I, I said, what are you doing? And, and he looks at me and goes, would you shut up? And I go, what do you mean shut up? I said, that's not funny. And he goes, what's not funny? I said, leave it wrong on the side of the road. I said, what is wrong with you? I said, it's cold out there. And Teddy goes, man, Ron is right behind. He goes, where's Ron? Where's Ron? And I said, you left him on the side of the road. You and so now, yeah. and he goes, and so oh, now, he, here's what they've got. Here's what they've got to do now, dear. They can't turn around. So now, you know, they've got to inch by inch back up, you know, on the side. Of it. They cannot turn around. So they've got to go inch by inch to back up. Like in a blizzard. Right? So I'm, I'm trying to, yeah, in a blizzard. So you can't, you can't just back up. They got to literally back up slowly. All right. So now by the time that we do get to each other, I cannot <laughs> talk because I'm literally, you know, I really wanted to know. I can't move my hand, you know, to, to hit him in the side of the head, you know. <laughs> hey, the, the bad part, the bad part, Jerry, is, you know, the windshield wipers, windshield wipers are on the front. So They're when frozen. you're backing up in a blizzard, yeah. you, you can't see nothing. I mean, nothing. Yeah. We can't see anything. We got our head out the window trying to back up on this turnpike. Man, we stopped about 10 feet from Ron, and he goes, man. Get out and tell Ron I didn't do this on purpose. So, I wrote in the window. I said, "Teddy did it on purpose." <laughs> so, so you know, so you know, Jerry. It took me about five minutes before I could talk. You know, when I got in the car, like so a you know, like so a out, right? To give him up to my mind, man, to let him know really how I felt, right? So immediately he starts apologizing. And putting all the blame on John. He says, John told me to drive off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Ron is so mad and he's so cold that at one point I said, hey, Teddy, listen, why don't y'all just get this over with, pull over and fight, and then we'll keep going. And Teddy goes, would you shut up? He goes, would you shut up? He goes, that's not funny. 
And, it, and Ron is sitting there looking at him. I thought, you know what? I better quit joking because Ron may cup this peanut head before. <laughs> we, we got to the hotel and Teddy got out of the car so fast and checked in before Ron could even get out of the car and get his bag. When did you see Teddy the next morning? Yeah. yeah. And you know, but, but he, he was a, he was a good, he was a, he, he was a big asset though. Uh, to Butch and I, though, John, are going back to when he did get with us, right? Because uh, he was pretty good on the mic, you know. Yeah. And, and then we plus with Butch, yeah. And then with with Butch and I at that time, you know, when you when you got two guys, sometimes you get like that, as you both know. Sometimes when you have big guys and imposing guys, you, you don't want them to to talk too much because sometimes it takes you a little away from them. And sometimes they can say things that would soften up their personalities, you know. So it was good for him to be the mouthpiece for us sometimes, you know, uh, uh, when he came out with us, you know. Right. So he was a he was a, he was a good addition uh, working with us at that point. Yeah, how, how was how how was that tag team proposed, uh, 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 Roddy? I mean, did you guys you 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 and uh, Butch want to be teamed up together, or did uh, Ole or Dusty come to you and say, "Hey, I've, this is going to be a great team, or this is what we got in mind"? Yeah, well, I, I'm not exactly sure Butch was really on board with it to begin with. Okay, I mean, at the beginning of it, right? Because I think that he still wanted to go on and do his singles thing a little bit, uh, a, a little more at that point, right? At, at that point, right? And you hadn't been in the business that long either, right? I mean, you were a relatively newcomer. Absolutely, right. Right, absolutely. So, you know, and I can see where he would still have his reservations about doing that, right? Because he's thinking, well, you know, I ain't been in this long. He's still a little green at doing that, right? So when they first came and proposed it to me, of course, naturally, you know, on board with it because, hey, it's Butch Reed, you know, and he's right. had some level of success in this business, right? And this is a great opportunity for me, right? But I, right out the gate, uh, it came out a little bit because they when, they when they come up to it and they want it, first they wanted to make it a little bit too race. Or even when I came out, they wanted to name us Ebony Express. So that was something that Butch and I vehemently said, no, man, we, we don't want to go out there and start doing the, try to play this race thing. If we're going to do this thing, we want to come out there, be two characters that are just good at what we do, you know? So that was one thing that we had to get correct to start out with. Because, see, if we came along those lines, you had to continue on those lines of playing the racist thing. And which in this business, hey, if you're going to break those barriers, you got to start somewhere. So we felt that wasn't good for both of us at that time. So I'm really glad we did that. So then secondly, we had to come up with how, what we're going to be named, you know. So then the Road Warriors was already a legion of doom. So if we were going to be working with them. So then they just decided they would just call us doom, you know. So at that point, that's how you know, basically came together from that point there. And then naturally getting together with Butch, man, well, hey, it was a, you know, it was a big thrill for me. You know, and like I said before, you know, look, sometimes, you know, he and I didn't see that. You know what I'm saying? We had our ups and downs, believe me, on the road, you know, 
because you know Butcher, you know Butcher was his own man, right. and the best quality about him was that hey, you know, you always knew where he stood. That's what I loved the most about him. He was uh, very helpful with enhancing me when it came to tag team skills, you know. So I learned a lot from Butcher yeah. during that time we were together. I, I got I got to tell you this story, Roddy. I mean, I, my brother and I, uh, Jack had just retired from the business, totally retired, and I was still working. I was just started working in, in WWE uh, office, WWF office, and but you know we we were a tag team, of course, and then obtained some success. But you know we we looked at at that WCW and, and we saw Doom. Well, as John said probably one of the most intimidating teams that ever stepped foot in there. Then you had the road warriors. Then you had Barbarian and Warlord. Then you had the Steiner brothers. I mean, Jack and I looked at each other. Man, man, we got out of the business at the right time. What the hell were we doing? (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I mean, that, 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 that was like, like the peak, I think of intimidating tag team was that group of guys. And I know I left somebody else out, you know, that was monsters like that, but holy but, cow. Yeah, but you know what? It was it was unbelievable, man. And the best thing about being in, you know, at that point in tag team wrestling, brother, you couldn't have asked for a better, a better period of time to be in a, a right. tag team, right? I mean, you even, look, you got the Rock and Roll Express, you got all of these guys that you can work with. Like I said, Barbarian, Warlord, you know, you've got the Road Warriors. My goodness, man, you could just design them. Right. It, it was absolutely phenomenal because here's the best part that I love about each one of them, the guys in the, that you could get a ring with, you could match up with and have fantastic matches. You know, I mean, absolutely, man, uh, knockdown, drag out matches, man. That's the best thing that I love about it. You, you could get in there, work the way I think that it should be. I mean, hey, short of killing someone, but working to the <laughs> point where the people, you know, working to the point where people, hey, understood, hey, this guy's really in a wrestling match. You know, so it was a phenomenal period of time. And I, I, I really love working with all of those guys. And at that point, none of those guys were afraid of a fight either. So, I mean, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, 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 that's right. Teddy Long, I, look, we give Teddy a hard time. We love Teddy, but he, he was perfect for you guys. I mean, you had these two huge oh, figures and, and you had this little bitty guy who was the mouthpiece, who was this, this shit disturber. I mean, he was perfect for you guys. That was a perfect team. Absolutely, and, and what and I think a lot of people don't know though is that hey, Teddy has been in this business for some time, man. He's done everything in business. Now here's a guy that really paid his due. I mean, he's drove he's drove the ring truck. He's been a referee, you know. I mean, he's done all facets of what you could do in business. If there's any guy that you want to listen to that has some knowledge of this business, man, it's Ted. You no, know? so hey, he, he was an absolutely welcome addition for us as we went on, you know? Right. He, he knew how to come in and know how to garner heat as being a manager, you know? Like I said, absolutely great on the mic, man, you know? And he could come back and even give us pointers on how things went in the match and that we would use in the next match. So, yeah, he was a very valuable, he wanted to be a very valuable 
better than as a tag ball. Yeah, I worked with Teddy so much, you know, later in my career when he was the general manager. I loved it. I mean, that was one of those fun things I did because you didn't have to tell Teddy anything. He's really smart. He's sharp. He's quick-witted. Yeah. I mean, he, he could he could feed off of anything. He was so good at what he did. Uh, Butch, yeah. Butch, I want to ask you, Butch was, Butch, you mentioned Butch was a little bit uh, kind of in his own way. Yeah. Butch uh, rode yeah. a horse. Butch rode a horse into a bar one time, right? <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, listen, <laughs> I, if, if, look, if, if, I, if, uh, if I had a dollar for each time I've had to come in and intervene and get Butch out of a fight, okay? Listen, so I would be an absolutely rich man, all right? So, but like Jerry said, listen, all those guys back then weren't afraid of a fight. And I believe me, Butch Reed was one of those guys that was not afraid of a fight, okay? <laughs> We were, and I think it was just like uh, Kansas, all right? You know, that's his home state, you know? Yeah. That's his home state, Kansas, right? So, look, when, when the big time, we already been out and had a uh, had the match, had a good time, and and I think whatever it was had to be a rancher or a guy had just drove up and had his horses on the back of the truck, you know? So this was like a little cafe type of bar or setting, you know? I'm sitting inside of the bar, you know, had a great time talking with the people, right? And all, and it's like some out of saloon, you know, on gun smoke or something. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, the, the doors, bam! All of a sudden, the door opened up, right? And I look up there, man, and here's Butch, you know, he's got the horse, and he's riding the horse there, and you can see the tables are, are scattering, the women are screaming, and everybody in the... <laughs> Everybody in the place is going crazy. <laughs> you know, oh. and, and I get up and I'm like, hey, but what what are you doing, man? Get out of the way, man. I I know what I'm doing. I got this, right? And he's moving the horse around in the bar, you know, and the, the tables are still scattering everywhere, man. And the guy behind the bar is going absolutely nuts. All right. Get him out of here. Get out of here. <laughs> So eventually, man, you know, I had to come in, grab the front of the horse, you know, <laughs> and grab the reins and, 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 and get it out of the bar, right? And we get outside of the bar now. Now, here's the kicker. When we get outside of the bar, right? Now, he gets off of the horse, and the guess what the next thing he does? He comes over to me, and now he, he, wants, he wants to fight me. <laughs> we're bringing him out of the bar. <laughs> he wants to fight me there. <laughs> it up. <laughs> oh, man. And what did you do? What did you do? What, 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 what did you do, Ron? Grab the horse and punch him and knock him out? <laughs> hey, listen. I'm just saying, man. Hey, look, let's just get out of here. Uh, hey, Ryan, that was my 
You remember the time when uh, Teddy Long got stopped by some freaking cop in Kentucky? Teddy always says he passed the sobriety test. He didn't pass that sobriety test. He failed it, and he hadn't been drinking anything. Remember that? He was so scared. He, yeah, failed, yeah. And he failed the sobriety test, and he <laughs> hadn't been drinking. He was so nervous, you know, because once again, you know, you and I have been needling him, you know, along the way, right? But the, he was so nervous when the guy had him, you know, to, to get out, you know, walk the straight line and do all the tests, right? He was so nervous to where he was failing all the tests, you know? And, and so the guy thought that he had been drinking or thought he was high on something. And and what did he do, John? He threw you and I under the bus, right? He said, I'm not the one drinking. Those guys are the ones yeah. that have been drinking. Yeah. Yeah. Right? yeah. yeah. Oh, my goodness. It was so funny. Yeah. Yeah. Watch him try to do all this. Bus, right? He was trying to do all this stuff, and he, and he couldn't get it right. He was too nervous. <laughs> like, yeah. oh my god, we're yeah. going to but, jail. But you know, but the but the best the best part about it, right, was okay when the when the guy let him get back in the car, right? All right. So the guy says, he said those guys have been drinking. So then the, what the guy says, yeah, that's I do smell alcohol, right? So when I yell out to the guy, so what? Oh, so now you're a butthound now, huh? Yeah, right. so now yeah and the, and Jerry, the guy reached for his gun. When Ron said that, the guy I don't reached blame for his him. gun. And I said, Ron, he's going to shoot you. <laughs> don't say it. And Teddy, Teddy is ignoring, Teddy's ignoring Ron. Ron's just going, oh, he's a bloodhound. He goes, long. And, he, and he's hitting Teddy in the back of the shoulder so hard, he's knocking Teddy up into the steering wheel. And he goes, man, ask him why he stopped us. Ask him why he stopped us. <laughs> and, 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 Jerry, so when, they, so when the guy finally got, he got fed up with us, right? He said, no, hey, tell you what, but get, why don't you just, just get out of here? Just get out of here. And I'm going to radio your head. If there's anything that we see uh, with you guys, we're going to pull you over and take you to jail. So as we're leaving there, right, now, John and I are not paying any attention to Teddy Biden, right? And I think we were on our way to like an Ohio show, I believe. So Teddy is so mad at us, he drove us into Kentucky. Yeah, that's right. We drove 100 miles out of the way. Jerry, we didn't he get drove in. Us into Kentucky. Jerry, we didn't get in until 6 o'clock in the morning. Uh-oh. We're supposed to get in at 2. Right. Teddy drove us the wrong direction. <laughs> yeah, he, he's so mad at us, man. You know, right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was awesome. Riding with Teddy was so much fun. And then we threw in Godfather to ride with us also. And you talk about a car. When we had oh. Teddy and Godfather, me and Ron, and sometimes we had Scorpio with us. Uh, you talk about a car. It yeah. was, oh. Oh, that my was wild. Hey, and look, and, and, and then with now with Scorpio, right? All right, remember whenever we were with Scorpio, right? And uh, when it came time, you know, for like the toll bridges and the, and, and, and some of <laughs> like, like Teddy, right? So we're we're, we're saying, well, hey, you know, <laughs> I, I, yeah. I think I, I did I get the last one, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It was that. It was that laugh. He goes, hey, 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 I got I got the last one, right? No, you've never gotten one. You've never got <laughs> He and Teddy, it's like a dollar toll they would try to get out of. 
It was so good. And God and but Godfather was the best. Godfather just rode. He didn't care. He didn't care about nothing. He didn't care about anything whatsoever. Just just rode with us. He was such. It was so fun. Yeah. Hey Ron, before like I know we're running long, but before we go, I want to ask you real quick about the '92. Uh, when you when you realized you were going over on Vader, did you realize what how big of a historic moment that was at the time? I mean, you became the first black heavyweight champion, recognized world champion. Did you realize at the time? I mean, you, you're you're our Jackie Robinson. I mean, did you realize at the time the history that no. you were creating? Absolutely not. I had no idea of it, right? And and when people, I, I'm asked that all the time about about that moment, right? And I always refer to it because it's true. It's, it, it's what I, I like to say, a real moment. I had no idea that was going to take place that night, you know? And never in my wildest dream that I have any idea that it was going to go down like that, right? So I just Ronnie, there, Ronnie, and, Ronnie know, let, let, let me jump in. Let me jump in. So basically what you're saying, you know, usually when a title change is, uh, is happening, there's a lot of pre-planning. There's a lot of talk about it. There were abs- there, there was absolutely no talk to you about it. You just showed up at the arena one night and said, hey, Ron, we're going to put the title on there, Mitch. Wow. Absolutely. That's the, that's the way it went down, okay? It, it, it's a real moment that took place. There's no pre-planning. There's none of this at all, okay? Okay, so I got to take my head off the field, watch for giving an opportunity, man, uh, for making that moment happen and having the gut to do it. All right, I show up there and he calls me into our office, and you know, thought is like, oh my goodness, what have I done wrong? Now uh, <laughs> calls me, you know, anything or uh, a fine or whatever, right? And he says, hey, uh, Sting has got you know, got hurt or something's going down with him, right? Tonight. We're going to make some changes, and we're going to make a change that's going to be revolutionary. Well, I'm like, oh, my God, what are we talking about? Hey, tonight we're going to go in here. You're going on with the beta for the bill, you know, tonight. And, you know, I'm still working. I'm still working my way. I'm mid-card, you know, still coming up through the ring, man. You know, and so, hey, and so we go out, you know, we go through the whole thing about pulling the name out of the hat, you know, and they, and luckily for me, my name just happened to be pulled out of the hat, right? Right. Yeah, but hey, but that's exactly how it went down. Wow. And then I also got to mention this, John. I'm very grateful to Vader for going out and doing business the right way, okay? Because he, he could have been, in, he could have right. been, you know, a different person and said, no, man, I'm not going to do this this way because Steve's not here. He went out and he went beyond what, in my estimation, man, what was the what the way he delivered in the match, you know? So he had a fantastic match, man. Uh, and, I watched. You know, I watched. So I watched. Yeah, I watched the match last night, and it was so organic because of that. I believe, and and the reaction was just phenomenal. But, oh yeah, because it was it, it was like I said, man. It was a real moment, you know, in, in our business. You know, you know, you get the crying around the ring, man. And but I never in my wildest dream would have thought it would have gotten to this point, you know, to where people still ask me about it. And not only that, but here's the thing that I love the best about it. Not only do young men, young black men, but people of all colors and young women come up to me and say, hey, you know what? I want to thank you for what you did for me and my childhood. Because at that moment, seeing it happen, 
I knew then things were possible for me to achieve. You, you can't get a more powerful testament to what you've done in life to have something like that happen to you and for it to have effects on people's lives, man. Absolutely no idea, John, that it was going to be that profound to this day. No way. I never would have predicted it. And it, seems and like as, it, it seems like as years go on, people realize the significance more and more of the event. You know, it seemed like in the 90s, you know, it's recognized, right. but now it's really recognized. Do you look now at, at you know, people like uh, the young people, uh, Bianca Blair and Shasha Banks, you know, who main evented WrestleMania, uh, you know, Kofi Kingston, uh, Kofi Mania, Big E, Bobby Lashley, Xavier Woods just became king of the ring. Do you look at that now and think, you know, that's pretty cool because you're the one that opened the door for, for all of these, all of these guys. Uh-oh. What did, what did you do, John? I don't know what I did. Ron froze. Well, absolutely. And, and, and that, yeah, that you had a very pivotal point, you know, in your life to have something to do with it. So absolutely. When I see that happen, man, it, it's a great feeling to know that, hey, in some way, it has something to do with them, you know, getting to the point that they did, you know. So, yeah, it's a great feeling, you know, absolutely. And you hear from them when you come around that uh, they tell you thank you. I mean, because these guys are very respectful. You know, wrestlers oh, yeah. are always very respectful. Oh, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely, man. You know, and the point that and the fact they, they're always respectful and that they don't forget it. And see, and that's what they like to hear, because you know that they'll pass it on. And they continue to go on. So that's that's what you really want to hear. You know, like I said before, in this business, the way I've come up, if you come up the way you want to enhance each other, because that's what I was taught. If you if you enhance each other in this business, the business will continue to thrive. You know, that's what we do. We make each other look good in order for it to continue to go on and on, you know? Right. So yeah, so it's a great feeling, man, you know. I remember we were wrestling uh, X-Pac and Kane, and we're going to drop the titles to X-Pac and Kane. And, you know, it's it's always, you know, who drops the fall? And it was a much bigger deal for you to drop the fall than it was for me to drop it, and that really put them over. So they were kind of hem-hawing around, the agents were, about what do we do, what do we do? And you said, have X-Pac beat me. And they said, well, how do you want to do it? He goes, with his yeah. finish. And that's what it was. And it was, yeah. you know, it was like you talk about what Vader did for you. You did for Pac. You did for Kane. Right. And it just, and right, right. In the, right in the middle of the ring, you took his finish, the biggest name of the team, and uh, did the job and, and put those guys over. But that's what you're supposed to do. Well, that's exactly the way that I was taught. And that's what I think we're losing track of in this business a little bit, if you ask me. Because you, you're taught, hey, if one guy is getting it, man, and the people are, are, are vibing with him, hey, let's get out there. Let's enhance what he's got going on because in the end, it's been for all of us, you know? And, and, and then speaking of that, you know, I, when, when you and I got together, right, and, you know, for me, I'm looking at the things that you had gone through, right? Okay, you had been in the tag teams with several different guys, and, you know, I'm thinking to myself, you know, here's a guy that's got, all the talent on the planet, you know? Why is it that they keep moving him around? How come they can't just enhance him on what his skills are, you know? And let him work with what he does best, you know? 
So, you know, it's like when we got together, we were like, hey, man, you know, look, we're going to get out here. We're going to do what we do best. And like with you, hey, get out there and be yourself. You are a wealth and tumbling guy. Just be yourself, you know, <laughs> enhance what you do. And, that, and that's what you did, you know. And, and I think that's what you have to do. You have to tap into what you do best, you know. Yeah, and I think that was the success of what we had was we were just us. I mean, there, there wasn't <laughs> there wasn't much uh, playing a character. It was just us being us, and that was the success of what that's we it, had. And you know? that's one thing you taught me was right. be genuine. Just be genuine, and, and when you're genuine, yeah. it, it works. Yes, you know, just come out, man. You know, if, you know, the emulation of of someone else, you know, is not is not always be self. Come out there, man. Give the people all you've got, and which we always did, and which I've always tried to do, and and we already know Jerry did it, and you know, and that's the way I think that it should be done, you know, and that's the way I've been taught, and uh, so I think that if you come out and give the people that man, and no matter what you do, you'll have some level of success. Yeah, yeah. Jump, 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 jumping around, Ron. I mean, uh, I, you know, you guys had to had to flip. You guys got paid to drink beer, raise hell, and fight <laughs> for how many years? I don't know. No, but no, man, no. What what a joy ride that was! Not only for you guys, but for everybody yeah. around you, because we knew we were going to get to drink when we worked around you. Guys. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. that that had But you know, it's just like John said, though, man. Look. I think the reason that the, the APA and the success is that hey, it wasn't a it wasn't a joke or characters. It was us. You it know what I'm saying? Work. It wasn't, it wasn't you a know? work, man. It was a shoot. It was real. You know, in the ring and out of the ring. You know what I'm saying? So you know, it, and that's what I think. And then the people to really tell that we really cared about each other. And we were right. genuine <laughs> with each other, man. You know what I'm saying? They, yeah. You know, I, I think that's something that on screen that people forget. They can tell when you click together. You know what I'm oh, saying? Yeah. When you yeah. really are there for right. each other. You're a tag team. Right. You know? And that, I think, yeah, I think more than anything, that's what the success uh, was for us. Now, now, tell, tell, tell me this story. I think it was John that got the news from uh, from Vince, and then Vince came and shared the, shared it with you. And there were there was talk about trying to make it a racial type thing and all this stuff, and you shot it down because you didn't want to go on that path at all. But the the news when John yeah. came, when John came and told you that, it had to be. Well, we're gonna do what? <laughs> no, man, no, absolutely. You know what? It's been time out. If you, you know, if you're gonna move forward in this business, and not only in anything, you've got to move forward and starting with trying to break those barriers down. All right. Of course, the people already can see difference in color in you. Period. You don't have to come down and beat it down their throat. You know, all the time. Right. You know, they came to us. They want to make this thing a black and white thing. No, we're not gonna do that. You know, because if that once again. If they had started that out with John and I together, we wouldn't have more into the APA and being who we were. It would have been along color barriers, and it would have been the wrong thing to do. You know, that's why we got out there and we did what we did. We didn't have all the gimmickry. 
We went out there, worked really hard, you know, at what we did, and we worked well together as a tag team. You know what I'm saying? We didn't mind going out doing jobs when we had to do it. We didn't mind going out taking the bumps we had to do. You know, we did what it took, and that was come out, put over the people we were doing, give the people a great show, and work together as a tag team. You know, right? No, we, you know, we weren't gonna make it a race. And then, secondly, I had already had, you know, good success in this business already from tag team and being in some singles and everything. You know, I'd known John's background, and then, man, I watched his path. He'd worked really hard at everything he's tried to do. Hey, you know what? Now, now let me be more of a professional and enhance his style, you know, because I'm getting older now. My time is winding down. Is business okay? Let him have his opportunity to do the things that I've offered my opportunity to do. So you, you know that's the way you should do it, man. And that's the kind of guy that I've always been. You know. Yeah, and I owe Ron a debt. You know, I always yeah. say this, and I can never pay. You know, it, it Ron really took me in, and at times they didn't want me to do many promos because Ron was so good at promos. Ron would always give me the microphone, always. Ron would start it, and at times he would just hand it to me and let me talk, and that was Ron's way of letting me get over because Ron knew he could get over, and they knew Ron was good. But you know, Ron wanted me to have success too, and that, I really owe that to, to Ron for doing that. And it was it was a conscious effort on Ron's part. I know it was. I, I saw I saw an uh, interview with you too. I, I can't remember which one it was because I watched so many of them. But you said I think it was uh, Undertaker or somebody like that was in the ring, and Ron come out and said one sentence, and then handed you the microphone, and you said, "This is the moment that I knew I had the right partner. And this is the moment that I knew Ron wanted me to be me and take over, take over That's this." That's right. It was, it was live television. And Ron handed me the microphone. Wasn't supposed to. Ron was supposed to do the whole promo. He handed me the microphone and let me do the promo. And when we came back, nobody said anything because it was Ron. (laughs) 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 But that was that was Jerry. Honestly, that was one of the coolest things anybody ever did for me because that was Ron taking care of me. That was that was first class. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, like I said, man. Look, I've been very fortunate. You know, and look. I knew my time, I'm 48, 49 years old at that point. You got to know, man, hey, when time comes in this business, you know, to do the right thing. And the right thing was, hey, to enhance this now, because I knew you worked really hard. I had a lot of admiration for you, a lot of respect for you, because you worked hard, man, everything you had in it. So look, now why not, let's use this platform now to carry you on into the next phase. And, you know, and thank God everything worked out, you know. So that's the way I think that it all should work. And I think those are the things that are missing a little bit from this business as we go forward now, you know. Yeah, I agree. Go ahead, Jerry. The the, the thing I I always got, you got, when you guys put the APA shirt on, there were no egos. I mean, you see a lot of teams that, you know, well, I got to take the fall or, I, I got it. I can't do the hard sell. There was never any of that back and forth with you guys there. You guys, you guys went with the flow of the match. And then, and if there was anything, just like John said earlier, hell, that X-Pac beat me with his finish. 
you're you're 150 pounds heavier than Mike, you know, and you're 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 sacrificing your reputation as Ron Simmons to let this guy beat you. And then that's the mark of a real professional. That's the mark of a real tag team when they're not that ego. Hey, well, I can't let this guy beat me. He's not big enough, you know. And and uh, there was never that in, in in you guys' matches there. And that shined through so brightly through the TV audience. I think that's what made it click was the respect that you two you formed for each other. Not formed because you had it before you ever became partners. You had the respect for each other. But uh, it was just a phenomenal uh, team to watch. And, and man, the guys can learn so much from being unselfish in the ring by watching an APA massacre out there. And uh, you guys still have one of the yeah. – you guys still have one of my favorite spots of all time when you went out and had a had a had a working match with Public Enemy. I think that was one of the, <laughs> one of the highlights of my career because I was right involved. I was right involved with the curtain. Now when you guys are walking out, John, what are you going to do? I, I don't know, but it ain't going to be pretty. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, that's another real moment. In professional wrestling. Yeah. 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 Yes, it was. When they told me yeah. when, when they told me they wouldn't do the finish. And and Ron Ron couldn't wow. because the, the music was playing. And we're all so standing there in gorilla position. Right? It was it was us yeah, three was standing me, yeah. in gorilla. Yeah. yeah. Nobody else was there. It was yeah. it was yeah. like for one of those like Sunday night heat or yeah. one of the weekend yeah. shows or something yeah. before Raw. And they yeah. said, We're not gonna do that spot with the table. I said, That's the finish. And they huh. said uh, yeah. And they walked out and I thought, oh. there, there's no backup plan. Oh. And so Ron, Ron, came and goes, what was that? And I said, they don't want to do the finish. And Ron goes, well, they don't want to do the table. We'll take the table to them. And that was it. And I thought, oh, if Ron's going into a fight, I'm going into a fight. And that was it. And I think that was their first match, and that was their last, wasn't it? That, that's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, they did. They they found out what happened. They ended up firing them after that. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't last long. Yeah. yeah. And, we're, and, and we were going to put them right. Yeah, we were going to put them to the table and probably and and probably put them over at the pay per view. I mean, I don't know what they were mad right. at. They, I mean, there are these yeah, two right. guys you, who you know, we, they, they came in. You know, we, we were there to make them look good. Yeah, that's right. And they didn't even want us to get anything. And so wow. we gave so we gave <laughs> so we gave them nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Ron, 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 you were you did like a song and dance in the ECW group. Did you have any conflict with those guys there to 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 set this up? No, or? no man. No, Not even no, no. It was a two step. No, no, I know I knew quite a quite a few of them, right? But it was just a period of stop over there, right? Yeah, you know, I had a good time with working there with Paul, Paulie, and all the guys there. You know, there was a change of pace and the stop there. You know, a good time working with Sandman. You know, Funk was there at that time. Two souls were up there, so yeah, it was a good little stopover for a period of time. You know, right? It had it had had to be a good feeling though to get that call from VKM while you're at ECW and say, hey, we want you over here. Oh, absolutely. You know, are you kidding? Yeah, no no question about it. The best. You know what I'm saying? 
Hey, you can go anywhere you want, man. You know, but guess what? There's none bigger than the state than the big stage deck. Okay? Yeah. yeah. None. All yeah. right. Everybody yeah. that's in this business wants to come to New York. Right. Yeah. Ron, Ron, right. Ronnie, 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 take us through this because I, I, I the more I watch on you, the the, the, the more you, you, the similar career and ending that that you and my brother had. When when did you when did you think you know hey I'm 48 49 years old I'm coming to the end of the career I've lost a step I'm not that same guy and you had the same pride as my brother did if you weren't Ron Simmons of old you didn't want to be Ron Simmons old you wanted you wanted to to go yeah. out on the right step there that that that's a hard decision yeah. but man and when when you quit you quit You're just like my brother did there's very few people yeah. like you. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know what? I, I I played football. Everybody knew, right? I've gotten a lot of nicks and injuries and everything. You know, and I'm not the kind of guy to complain about too much of anything. You know, I played hurt, played injured some of the times, and a lot of those injuries still came with me, you know, into this business, you know? But like I said, man, I, when I got into the tag team uh, with John, you know, I had I loved him so much and still do. I had a lot of respect for him, though. And like I said, I knew what he had gone through. I knew the tag teams he'd been in, man, and I knew how badly he wanted, you know, to be in this business and to do the best he could. You know, I wanted to stick this out as much as I could. You know, my legs were getting out on it, my hips. You know, I'd gone to the doctors, you know, that they were needing replacement. I never said too much to John. You know, I kept going, you know, because I didn't want him to change up too much of what he was doing in order to accommodate me. You know, I knew my time was winding down. You know, I knew I wasn't going to be able to do that much more than when we started doing it. So that's when I knew, let me change this and move this now into enhancing more for me. Well, let me do this the right way. Let me put this all into his favor so he can go on and do his thing, man. Because I knew it was coming to the end for me. You know, my body was telling me, hey, it's time I've been good to you. Now it's time for you to do the right thing with me. You know, I'm giving you the signing, the warning signs now. It's time to quit. You know, right. And that's when it was, you know, I had to go off, you know, my hips were giving out, you know, the knees and the joints, you know, were no longer there, man. So it was time to slow it down, dude. You know, you know I, I learned, Jerry, I learned so much from Ron in so many ways about respect, about being a man. I mean, Ron is, you know, he's not mm -hmm. just my friend. He's also one of my idols. You know, I, I really respect right. Ron and love, you know, love Ron like a, like a brother. But I learned a lot so much from Ron, and Ron did that for me. And that's one of the reasons when I started realizing that my body was giving out on me, you know, later when I got about the you know same age, that I couldn't do it anymore. That's when I chose Ray Mysterio and said, Hey, you know what? I'm gonna do the right thing at WrestleMania and I'm gonna let this guy beat me in 20 seconds because I couldn't do a 15-minute match. I knew I couldn't, but I knew it was the right thing to do to go out, you know, on my shield. And put some guy over like like Ray, who I loved also, and mm -hmm. do the right thing. But I got that from Ron. You know, that, I, you know, you learn from people that are in the business. You know, like Ron learned from Butch, and Ron learned from Ernie Ladd. You know, I learned from Ron, and that was one of the reasons that when it came my time, I thought, you know what, I'm going out the right way too, and I'm not yeah. coming back. Yeah. And and, yeah. and and I've always been happy about that. That I did it. I yeah. did it the right way. And. Yeah. I, one of the reasons I did it was because Ron taught me. 
Yeah, well, you know, so many of us, so many of us can can learn from Ron, and and I keep I keep throwing back to, to, to Brother Jack, but you know, there there comes a time when when you know when you got that when your body's screaming at you, hey, it's time to time to step back. But Ronnie, you know, we, we I'm fortunate we we've been good friends outside of the ring for years and years. We I mean we we have a a brotherly type relationship, just like you and John do. We kid each other. We rib each other all the time. But man, you, you seem like, you know, you, you get around some of these old timers and all they want to do is knock these kids nowadays. (laughs) All the, how bad the business has become, how miserable they are, but you're in a very, very happy place with you as a man and as as, as a person and as, as your career. That's that's so that's so uh, uh, wonderful to see. You know, I started. I mean, you were a mega star, not just in the sport of wrestling. You were a mega athlete. There are very few guys in our business that that have the resume that. That, that you or Jack Briscoe had or Brock Lesnar or Kurt Angle. You're one of those guys, but you seem at peace with yourself and so, so happy in your life. And I'm so happy for you and John as to, man, what a wonderful guy you are. You've turned into. Uh, absolutely, Jerry. Thank you. And, and like I said, man, I, it all goes back to, hey, I'm very thankful for the way that I did it along the way. I, I, I there, you know, I'm often asked a lot of my kids, man, did you, did you see, did you, did you, uh, it, you know, come up with racism along the way? Oh, man, listen to me. Of course, I can't, I encountered racism along my way there. But guess what? I handled it the way it should be handled. I handled it right there. And then I didn't need an audience to know what I was going through. I took care of matter right there. Because if you take care of it and handle it with the person you're in front of, it'll carry itself on throughout life, okay? I didn't need an audience for that. Secondly, you know, if I'm going to do this, man, I'm going to do it the right way, and I'm going to do it with class, you know? Because as I've gone throughout my life, I've never once had to pull the race card out of my pocket and play it. Because to me, as a man, if I couldn't earn your respect as a man, and I didn't want it, man. I didn't. I, I didn't need it. Okay. I didn't have to pull that out to play buying something that being racist to me. I'm gonna do this the right way, and if I fail at doing it my way, then it's not for me. You know. So along the way, I did it the right way. So when I look myself in the mirror, I feel absolutely proud of the way I've done it and the things that I've accomplished. Because in my view, Jerry and John. I did it the right way. And that's a testimony to you, Ron. And everybody says that about you. You know, it, it's we've had such a great friendship for so long. When my father passed away a year and a half ago, I texted you and you said, call me. You know, you're, you're the one guy that, that I wanted to talk to. You know, so we still have this relationship and you're still helping me. Yeah. And, you know, my dad met you a couple of times. He loved you. Absolutely loved you. You know, you're best man at my wedding. And, and, and but it was, you know, it's just somebody that, we don't talk all the time, but when we do, it's special. You know, it's it's special when we do. So oh, yeah. I want to tell you thanks for so many years. I want to tell you thanks for coming on the show, but thanks for uh, thanks for everything. And uh, we need to see each other and go fishing hey, together down in Jerry's Lake. Oh, yeah, listen. And look, we're going to make him not only keep the fish, we're going to make him cook them for us, too. 
<laughs> that's exactly no, right. that that that's going to fall on Wes's head because Wes is the better cook of the of the two of us. So I I taught him well. Hey, he, I'll take you. Either way, fillet. man, we'll take it. Hey. You know what? Hey. Man, I've enjoyed this. Man, thank you all for having me on. I can't think of two better guys that I you know break my silence off being on coming on and doing this for than you two guys. You know, we go back a long way, and hopefully we'll continue to go a long way. I love both of you, man, and thank you all for having me on. Well, thank you. We we can go on and on. I mean, it's three friends here just sitting and BS, and we're just like a, we're on a six-hour road trip. We could we could make this show with Ron Simmons a six-hour special, <laughs> man, and nobody get bored because the stories that we that that we all had, Ronnie. It's it's it, like it's like I said before. It when John and I, were, you know, going over guys. We wanted you on, wanted you on, wanted you on, and and, and the timing it just worked out just perfect. So, man, I, I I couldn't ask for for a better friend than what you become to me, and and and, and to my son West. West looked up to you so greatly. I mean, you you talk to him like a real man and like a real professional. It's so appreciated from a from a father, you know that 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 my friends can now become a friend of my son there. Thank you so much for coming on there. And most of all, thank you for being Ron Simmons, man. <laughs> oh, thank you, oh, man. Hey, it's, it's, man, thank you, man. Thank, I want to thank both of you. Listen, you know, like I said, when you make when you make friends like this in this business that, you know, like with you two, it's not just for right then, it's forever, man, you know? And that's the best part of it. You know, we, like John said, you don't have to talk every day, but guess what? That feeling is always there. It never leaves. It's, you know, so that's the best thing about having true and making true and real friends in this business. You know, hey, it's the same feeling each and every time you talk. But you yep. know, one, once a Saturday, one uh, every Saturday during September to November, you're going to get a text if something happened during a football game, football Saturday. <laughs> hey. <laughs> And look, I'm looking forward to when we get Oklahoma State to schedule. Then you say those same words. <laughs>